Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest talks about the partnerships and personalities in particular and how important that is in recruitment and a talent advisory role. They're specialists in supporting high growth SaaS businesses and executive search funds to place graduates. Now, in this episode, I challenge my guests about selecting from Russell Group Universities, and he stood up to my challenge really well. So you're going to find this conversation very interesting about how they manage their sales internally and also how they um, challenge their customers around recruitment. My next guest is co-founder of Timberseed, a London-based modern recruitment business that places Russell Group graduates and early career professionals into disruptive SaaS companies and top-tier executive search firms. Please welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Rupert Deering. Hello, Janice. Great to be here. <laughs> There's a slight delay there. I think my yes. internet's now picked up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rupert, um, I, I um, really appreciate uh, I was able to speak at the recent uh, Timber Talks. Absolutely fantastic event. Lots of great information and, and speakers. And I think it's a really great way of promoting what you do but also gathering people together because it was a really interesting group I don't know what your your view of it well for for, quite new so this is only the second event that we've we've held and um we had our first one back end of last year in November I believe it was and and this time we decided we wanted to do something that was designed more for the commercial leaders out there um we thought it was a great way for us to get senior leaders and people who have ideas around sales leadership uh, together in one room to discuss it you know that was the intention was really so everyone could come away with some idea that they could implement in their in their day-to-day work so um, we had lots of new faces in the room we had lots of existing clients and but for me it was well firstly thank you for speaking that was it was great to hear, hear hear you speak up there but I think everyone came away and everyone who I spoke to said that they they took something from that uh, from that event and were, you know, have, have so far been able to implement it. I think some of the ideas and some of the posts I've seen on LinkedIn, you know, for me, super proud that, um, you know, what, what we achieved and, and what we managed to put on with that event at Timber Talks. Well, I certainly think that you deliver that everyone walked away with something new that they could implement the, the next day. So, you know, well done for that. What I'd like to do is just go back seven years, seven, eight years, and you know, ask you, what itch did you have that you needed to scratch in setting up Timberseed? Well, that's a good question. Uh, so I, I guess if I if I go back to the beginning of why Timberseed exists and why we first came up with the idea, 
So I had um, another business uh, called Madison McLean that um, I worked with, co-founded with Anthony Forbes, um, which was a technology recruitment business where we placed techies into investment banks, hedge funds, financial services consultancies. Um, And we were very niche, very small, very good at what we did. We were one of the um, top recruiters for Goldman Sachs back in the day. Um, And uh, as part of our growth plan, we always used to hire graduates to come and work for us. Now, the only issue was we could never hire really good graduates. There wasn't really any recruitment agencies out there who could uh, deliver the candidates that we wanted and and to deliver the same level of service that we were offering our clients at the time. So um, initially, we decided, let's go and hire these people ourselves. And we thought, actually, we're quite good at this. We came up with some methodologies. And then we suddenly realized, actually, now there's probably a gap in the market. Why don't we go and explore this further? So... That itch, um, as you describe it, came from spotting that opportunity and knowing that there's a gap in that market that we could really go in, um, and go and fill. And by using the same processes and methodologies that we had found so successful at Madison McLean, and by applying those to, to Timberseed, uh, or what is now Timberseed, that we, we, you know, we thought there was, yeah, there was that big opportunity. So, yeah, fortunately, seven years on now, I can sit here and, and say that, um, yeah, we've, we've come quite a long way and. Yeah, that idea of sitting around the table thinking how we're going to hire people from Madison McLean, out of that's come Timberseed. Excellent, excellent. So in growing Timberseed, now obviously you had an experience um, prior to that, but we're all in a new world, aren't we? So uh, yeah. share some of the challenges that you had in, in the early years of growing a founding company to where it is now. Well, establishing a business is tricky. Um you know, attracting people to come and work for you with a new idea, um, it's it's a risky proposition. You know, hiring people to come, you know, as employee number one, number two, number three for Timber Seed, saying, well, actually, do you know what? This is a startup. We're hoping, you know, that in, in the next six months, we're going to be here. In the next nine months, we're going to be there. And one of the questions which we often got asked in interviews, well, this is quite a risky proposition for me. Why should I work for you as opposed to someone else? So actually establishing a good group of people to come and work for us, despite us being the business of finding great people, um, that was a challenge in itself. Um, identifying and really coming up with our own niche. So just deciding, okay, well, what are we going to focus on? Now, at the minute, we yes, we we recruit graduates. That's a core part of what we do. We also recruit experienced hires, but what do we cover? You know, there's so many graduates out there studying so many different degrees. Um, you know, do we just target sales-based roles, recruitment-based roles? At what point do we you know, decide that we're going to segment this part of the market and, and, and go after yeah, a certain part of the market as opposed to something else? So actually having that vision and um, becoming experts in, in one or two or three particular things was, was quite tricky to, to, narrow, to narrow that down. So I think yeah, growing the business with good people, um, really working a tight market and deciding what our market was going to be, you know, that that took time for us to identify that. Um, of course, winning big clients as well. You know, we're a completely new company. Um, so pick up the phone and they're saying, well, what's your track record? Well, we haven't got one, but we have done this at another business in a completely different market. Um, you know, lots of companies, you know, that resonated well with them. The fact that we had a business and we struggled to hire graduates and therefore we uh, know the problems that they're likely to be facing. Other companies, you know, for them, it was, well, why change? We've already got a supply and it's it's working. If it ain't broke, no need to try and fix it. So scaling the business um, was definitely difficult. I think, you know, one of the, the biggest challenges that we found was actually getting beyond the 10-person mark. And we found quite quite regularly 
we'd be you know hiring up to 10 people and then a couple would would move on to other fantastic jobs you know most of those we're, we're still in touch with and I'm very proud that they started their careers with us but how do we get to that next stage and you know we're now uh, a business size of 35 36 people and you know as soon as we got over 10 from there it started to fall into place and we started to have structure so I think um look, with any any business starting up there's lots of cha- there are still lots of challenges you know it's still lots happening but you know, just getting a foothold in the market and establishing themselves out there to the point where Timothy becomes a recognizable name. That was the hard bit. And that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So what were the elements that uh, enabled you to decide to really focus on SaaS businesses for, you know, to uh, fill graduates through to SaaS businesses? What were the things that made others fall away? And this one being the one that is your real focus? Yeah, so it was one of the, so the two core focuses, I should I should say. So um, working with SaaS companies is one of those. Um, the the other side of our business, we recruit graduates into other top tier executive search firms and other uh, contingent recruitment businesses. So very similar to Martin McLean, who um, you know the the previous company we had similar businesses to Timothy. So we 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 get that the gap in the market and where we why we decided we want to <clears throat> work with SaaS businesses is one they're really cool companies. Um, you know, we, it's very relatable to our audience. You know, we're working with graduates, you know, they see SAS, they've grown up with SAS and, and, you know, they use it every day, whether it's their online banking phones, uh, you know, you're doing their online banking or, you know, whatever it might be, all the, all the other apps they have on the phone is essentially SAS in some form. So it's a very relatable product, if you like, uh, that we're selling to, to our market. Um, the other thing is the amount of investment that these companies receive is huge and there's continuous amounts of businesses that are receiving investment every day you know every week that needs scaling and we're part of that um we place sdrs and we place people into the commercial teams so your sdrs your account execs all the way up to you know, the, the cro's and i guess the sales team you know, it's the lifeblood of the business so without having a sales department in place without having that commercial team in place the business is never going to succeed you can have all the best techies building the back end and have the most glamorous product, but if you're if you're not selling it and um, if you're not you know selling those subscriptions and and getting that ARR in quick, then the business could have failed. So for us, you know, we saw that as an opportunity. You know, companies need good SDRs. Um, these you know they're very hard to find. Um, lots of recent graduates or you know people with some commercial experience do not know that these jobs exist, and therefore they need someone like us to go and educate them. Um, you know, we educate people on on these opportunities, but we also identify and target those who we know will be good. So you you told me that your your previous company, the focus was, you know, kind of techie people. Now you've moved more into the kind of the sales environment. So surely there was a learning curve moving from from one to the other. You know, they're very different animals, aren't they? They are. Um what I would say is salespeople, are, in my experience, are very easy to sell to. I'm certainly very easy to sell to. If I get a good cold call, um, so for anyone listening, cold call me. If it's a good pitch, then you, you'll have a meeting very quickly and, and hard to get me off the phone from that. But um, we are, yeah, we're, we're, from going and selling to, to techies and you know, speaking to CTOs all day, that was a much different conversation that we were having. You know, these people are from different backgrounds. They studied different degrees and and have different interests outside of work versus you know, sales directors who we're who we're pitching to and speaking to, or people who are company workers as an SDR or an account exec, um, we find those conversations flow probably more naturally. Um, and you know, have I enjoyed? You know, do I have a preference of speaking to a CTO or CRO? 
I should probably say not, but I think you know we have more fruitful conversations with uh, with those when we're selling to, to sales directors. I think it's relatable. You know, they they get what we're doing, and if we do a good job, if we send a really good email, if we do a really good pitch, um, or you know, if we really care, we demonstrate that we care about that after sales process, um, or you know, really qualify what it is they need, they get that because that's what they do. So you know, I think good good salespeople recognize other good sales methodologies and. For us, it was, yes, it was quite a switch, but actually it was quite an easy one because, you know, we're sending to people who are like-minded. It sounds like this is very much your experience because it, it feels like you're, you, you might consider yourself more to be the kind of like salesperson, but actually your your background is co-founding and growing companies. So mm-hmm. is there something in, in you that really understands that sales is a core to your business? Because without that, you wouldn't have been able to grow multiple businesses. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm hands off at the minute. So I, I'm not dealing with clients. I, I want to and I have to get pulled back regularly. You know, my job is to help grow the business and to do all the wonderful things behind that, whether that's speaking with accountants or lawyers or whatever it might be. Um, but deep down, I'm a salesperson. You know, I started my life as a recruiter and my ambition was I want to, you know, I want to smash this target, I want to smash this target and and see how I can, you know, what what's the best I can do. Um, so, you know, from my experience, working in sales i love it but i've got to step i've got to step back from that but my, you know what i i guess i've learned over the last 15 years of my career whatever it is you know i've learned through trying pretty much everything out there um making all the mistakes that you could possibly make but also making some really good findings and understanding methodologies that do work and being able to implement those implement those at timberseed and and um coach those to other people who work for me, but yeah, deep, look, deep down, I'm a, I'm a salesperson by heart. I love it. I, you know, I love dealing with clients. I love dealing with candidates. I love that you know thrill of doing a deal. Um, but you know, I still get that. But just from the outside looking in now, as you know, as I say, I'm not, I'm not hands on. Excellent, excellent. Now, I read on your website that uh, you select from Russell Group universities, mm-hmm. and it feels that that could be quite limiting Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is quite traditional the selection of graduates when you think of graduates you know top tier graduates but the world is made up of a whole diversity of people that may not have got those opportunities and it means when you select from that group you're selecting you know similar like-minded backgrounds so what do you say to, to to that how is that an issue for you? I think, I think that's, a, that's a really good point. And mm. look, yes, we, we primarily target um, Brussels Group universities, but we do target other, other top 50 universities as well. But I think, you know, why, why do we do this? Well, we're, you know, we're selling a product, essentially. And what we've got to do is sell the product that our clients need and our clients want. So, you know, if I'm going and researching a SaaS business and I can see that they've hired 10 SDRs in the last two years and nine of those have come from a Russell Group university and study the business or humanities degree for me as a business owner it's like well let's go and invest our time in that because i know that that's going to be the path of least resistance that's likely where they're going to hire from um yes i could go in you know, and target all the other 150 universities um 200 universities out there but that would be a poor return on my investment in time so you know, we um look we, we we champion um all backgrounds all universities um, we you know, we play a big part in D and I for for a lot of our clients, and we we advise on that. And yeah, you know, we get that. Yes, you get a certain profile that come from a Russell Group 
university. Um, we do um, we, we put a lot of our efforts into into speaking to these universities, but we do also speak to to lots of other universities as well. But it's yeah, it's, it is an interesting point. But you know, a lot of it comes down for us as you know, we're we're in the business of making money. You know, we're a, we're a commercial outfit. We're not a careers advisory service. And I think that's you know, when when we think of it like that. That is important. You know, we, um, yeah, we've got to do the best job for our clients. And if our clients are coming to us and saying, we want this, we will offer them that, as well as giving them advice on, on, on what else they could be looking at. I'm going to challenge you again on this. Okay. Um, because recruit the recruitment industry yeah. is relatively narrow, replacing exactly what you've said, mm-hmm. uh, going to the path of least resistance in yeah. the, uh, that they often recruit like-minded people. The managers recruit more like me. Yeah. Um, and this is why we have a sales industry that really isn't appealing to many of our buyers that have a diverse background. Many, there's been lots of, um, previous research in companies that haven't presented a diverse group of people to mm. their uh, buyers and executives and haven't got the deal. So mm. it needs to start somewhere. And so this is my my challenge to you. Sometimes we, we do need to uh, educate uh, people. If we've got a great case study of someone that's come from another group, then that starts mm. to kind of open up the conversation. But unless you actually start doing that, you're not going to have that great case study. So I don't know what your your thoughts are. So we, you do, we do, do change we, that. We we do do that at the minute. So we're not you know we're not just recruit exclusive from Russell Group. So we we recruit lots and lots of people. We place people who haven't gone to university in some cases. So look, the most important thing for our clients is personality, and that is what we measure. That's something you cannot measure from a CV. You cannot measure personality based on someone studying economics at. Oxford right it's about understanding you know what's their drive what's their motivation how do they think of their feet do they really have that initiative um you know does this person come across as friendly as uh, overly friendly you know, is this the sort of person that's going to be right for this client this client or this client and that's what we're doing we're assessing personalities first and foremost um I don't care where that person's come from um at the minute we we, we target universities partly because that's what clients ask for us. You know, if a client's saying we want from this particular background, we will challenge that and we'll always ask why. Um, and we should be doing that. You know, if someone if someone says, here's my shopping list of what I want, well, we'll come back and say, actually, this is what you need based on what you said. So we do have those case studies. Um, uh, one in five of our um, placements last year was a diversity hire, which we're, which we're really proud about. And, and um, we, yeah, we absolutely champion that. So as part of our um cx plus offering you know we advise on diversity hiring and um you know from from you know whatever is important to them and we you know that's something that we we pick up on so for us it's actually that's a really it is a really important topic but ultimately we are driven by what our, our clients what our customers want so you know if that's something which they open to the conversation or brilliant but they're coming to us and saying this is what we need then you know we're we're driven by that, but um, I think you're right. There, there's definitely a wider conversation to be had, and that was one of the discussions we had at Timber Talks, and that was exactly one of the reasons we put this on because we want to, you know, we we want to put this in the spotlight, and we want people to be aware that this is a topic which isn't, you know, it shouldn't be off off discussion. It shouldn't be something which people are awkward about having those conversations or know how to handle it. You know, it's it's important. Um, and that's the same for our SaaS side of the business, but also our executive search side of the business. You know, the, the amount of um, diversity hires 
within executive search is very, very small and it's not good enough. And that collectively as a recruitment industry, we've all got to be responsible for that. And we've all got to, to have those discussions and work out what can we do more. Um, so, yeah, look, for, for me, it's important. Um, you know, when we talk about targeting Russell Group universities, naturally, you know, to, to, that, that's what our clients want. And therefore, yeah, it's the path of least resistance. But um, of course, we, we uh, you know, we invest efforts into other talent pools as well. Mm. Excellent. Okay. So let's just talk internally about your sales op- operations at, at yeah. Timberseed. You said you don't impose heavy toxic, you know, I thought that was quite an interesting word, KPIs mm. to drive uh, the environment. So tell me more about your thoughts behind that. Well, K- KPIs, I think, can motivate people in the wrong way. You know, it, it gets to a point, and I have been guilty of this in the past myself when I, when I was junior, and I've been guilty of implementing KPIs, which may have been unrealistic, um, to the point where I you know, pe- people will focus more on the KPIs than actually the quality of work they're doing. So, you know, they care more about how many phone calls they're doing or how many um, you know, CVs and they've sent out or how many interviews they've organised, as opposed to the quality of those CVs they're sending out, the quality of those interviews. You know, for me, what's important is looking at ratios. So it's looking at, okay, how many people are we speaking to? How many of those are we, are we sending to clients? How many of those get an interview and will get progressed all the way to the final stage? I care much more about that rather than someone organising 20 interviews in a day. So I think KPIs can be quite toxic. I think they're good. They're the benchmark. It's something for someone to aim to and to aim at. Um, but you know, one of the things at Timbersy we don't do, you know, if you don't hit your KPIs, it's well, that's fine. Let's actually look at the bigger picture. Um, yes, the benchmark we know where we should roughly be, uh, and if we're, we're constantly falling below that, then then we can look at it and maybe we adjust the KPIs based on market conditions or whatever it might be. But I think um, yeah, KPIs are. I think they can be toxic. I think um, you know when we speak to experienced salespeople, you know, one of one of the key things that comes up and one of the common denominators of why people want to leave is you know they've been given targets which are unrealistic and they're and and it's stressful and it's not um yeah it it, it makes them stressed they don't want to go to work and therefore they want to leave their job and maybe do something which is less salesy um and by you know what they mean by salesy is you know hitting kbis and and working to unrealistic targets yeah yeah Okay, so tell me, you know that uh, I I talk about um, customer experience in in sales and being really buyer focused. And so I was interested when you um, talked about introducing a client experience plus product. So explain that to me. So our yeah, client experience plus product is basically, you know, we, we offer different levels of service. Um, our client experience plus product is where clients will essentially retain us. You know, they're, they're paying for our time and we're, you know, we're partnering with them on particular hires. And that goes um, from everything from looking at yeah, their existing hiring process. So we'll do a full audit of their current hiring process. Look at everything from who they've hired in, in the past, why that has been successful, you know, who have been successful, who haven't been successful. Uh, we'll look at what they're looking for, why they're looking for that. So that could be a great example of we want Russell Group University graduates. Okay, well, why? Um, well, because that's where we've hired people in the past. Well, actually, what you you know, we'll audit that and we'll and we'll assess it, and you know, we might decide that actually you don't need a Russell Group graduate. You just need someone who's got these personality traits and you know got a bit of business acumen behind them. Um, so we, you know, the way we look at it is we're sitting on the same side of the table as our client when they're hiring. You know, we're we're part of that process. And that starts from, uh, you know, when we're looking at who they need to hire, why they need to hire these people. 
how they go about hiring it, how they interview these people to post onboarding as well. So, you know, I think lots of recruitment companies and uh, out there will, you know, they'll make a placement and then brilliant, fantastic deal done onto the next one. But for us, what's super important is the quality of candidates we are placing and that aftercare service. So that's about following up both with whoever it is we placed and also with their manager to understand, you know, how are they doing? Are they settling in okay? Um, if not, you know, what can we do to help? Is there additional, you know, pointers that we can give the candidate or is there additional feedback we can give back to the client that we're hearing? Um, and, you know, we continuously follow up for six, nine months after that placement to ensure that they have been onboarded. And it's a small, it's a small detail, um, but it's something which I never had when I was, a buyer when I was um, you know, recruiting graduates myself, and I probably would have quite liked that. And the feedback actually from lots of our clients is they've never had that before as well. And it seems obvious, right? It's our, you know, it's, it's effectively our customer success function. You know, we, right. we want to ensure that people are doing well and, um, and it means they come back to us, you know, they trust us and enjoy that service and, and they see us as a partner, not just as, um, you know, as a cost of a hire. Mm. So help me to understand, you mentioned about uh, personality traits and the testing yeah. that you do. Is mm-hmm. there a relationship between the personality and how they're onboarded and the, the eventual success? Is there some kind of measurement that you do from, you know, beginning the initial connection with the, um, uh, the candidate through to their success in, in the company? Yes. Yeah, so um, again, a, a company might be hiring for an SDR, an a, a account manager, a customer success manager. They might be looking for a sales operations person. So you know, we'll identify what personality traits are important for that. So um, you know, for someone who's working a sales-based role, you know, having worked to targets or enjoying working to targets is actually more important. Um, is what we want. So that could be an example of setting themselves deadline and being super organized it could be someone who's come from a sporting background and i've had to get up at 5 30 a.m every day to go and swim 100 laps of a pool or whatever it might be somebody who's got that target driven nature um we also need people who are uh, you know we might assess their ability to um build rapport so you know how you know do you like speaking to new people um, and building up conversations are you the sort of person who goes to a party and will you know and will make that first introduction or will you sit there have great conversations but wait for someone to come to you first and from that we might decide whether someone's better suited for a customer success role where they're going to be you know dealing with with customers who are already onboarded and have those manage those relationships as opposed to someone who's more of a hunter someone who wants to go out and um you know, make those relationships and make that that happen um you know a lot of the the traits we're looking for are um i guess consistent in all the roles we have so it's someone who can demonstrate good initiative someone who can think on their feet is really important you know, someone who's got a bit of business acumen too you know someone who understands what is happening you know got, got their ear to the ground and you know given that they're going to be probably speaking with people who are a lot more senior than them and the role they're doing being able to have those conversations are important um so you know in answer to your question do we assess that later on in the process um yes we do i think what we look at is the successful uh, traits of a candidate that we've placed so this person's been really good why have they been good it could be okay well actually the fact that this person's come from a sporting background was super super relevant for xyz reasons and therefore we know for the next hire we should be we should be going after that as well um so you know we we look at that but ultimately from a personality trait that's where we take that's the interview process that so where's that's where it's tested throughout our qualification process of the candidate and also where we um implement those interviews 
specific questions that our clients would then go on and ask. Right. Okay. So it is qualitative rather than quantitative, kind of scientifically um, tested. Yeah, it is. You know, there's a lot of talk at the minute about chat GPT and, you know, all this AI, AI stuff. And, um, and you know, you might think, well, actually, can AI just go and pick these people based on CVs? No, they can't, because you might have the best CV in the world, but they will not have the right personality traits. Or you might have a CV that, on the face of it, doesn't look particularly great, but the person is fantastic. And you can only establish that by having that conversation and by really opening up, asking, you know, asking those in-depth questions and and following up from it so yeah for us it it's we, we we have to we have to speak we have to invest time with everyone uh to understand whether they're a good candidate or not and by the way that doesn't mean that in the first 30 seconds we know whether they're right or wrong it could take time and lots of our clients want different traits you know some people will want yeah, people who are sporty and and um who yeah are the people who go into the parties and shake their hands you know other people are quite happy with people who are a bit quieter and you know they don't need to have that bullshit attitude and they're quite happy for people to come in and, and sit behind their desk and uh, uh, and just get on with their job. So, um, yeah, that it's very qualitative in, in terms of yeah how we assess our, our candidates. Well, if you, you often have a, a sales manager that comes from a sporting background, their preference is to actually have someone else, which goes mm-hmm. back to the kind of diversity limitations, mm-hmm. have someone else that's very much like them. And it's mm-hmm. it's subjective and it's quantitative, mm-hmm. it's uh, qualitative, it's not quantitative from a mm-hmm. sales scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I can't, I, I'm, I'm, I well, find this quite you, interesting. I'll, I'll give you an example because I, I actually yeah. disagree with that. So if I, if I look at Sourcewell, as a great example of a company that we've built out their entire commercial team. You know, I started working with them. There were two people. There are many more than that now. So Jazz Carlin, who's their SDR manager, she was she's a double Olympic uh, silver medalist in swimming. So, again, you you, you think that she you know, prefers people who are sporty. But actually, when you break that down, no, she doesn't. You know, she wants people with that attitude. And that's um, you know, someone who has that drive. And that doesn't matter whether that's someone who's you know, been um, super high achiever at sports or someone who's got a drive to go and you know plant four thousand potatoes and harvest them. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's it's that attitude, it's the mindset that they're looking for. So um, you know, you, you can have that drive to succeed. You can have you, that can come from anything, not just from sports. So and 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 yeah, of course, there might be a natural bias for someone else who might have swam at an elite level. You know, the, the, yeah, of course, you're going to have that natural. Um, affiliation but you know, that, again that's part of our process and that's when we look at it we break it down it's okay well you want someone sporty well why actually this is the reason why it's these traits or um you want someone who um has got work experience well why actually what are you looking for in that is it someone who's demonstrated initiative that they can go and get a job does it really matter whether they've done an internship with pwc or whether they flip burgers for the summer are you looking for someone who's just gone and worked hard someone who can work hard and and uh, someone who's motivated to earn a bit of money to fund themselves at university so you know that's what we that's what we break down you know that's mm-hmm. so we you know the fact that you're challenging me here now is great because we do the same to our clients we challenge them and we ask why you know that's our job if we didn't do that we wouldn't be doing our jobs excellent excellent love that all right so rupert if you're on a desert island on your own what's the one thing you take with you i can only take one thing yes well the the, the um well the classic 
answer would be Bear Grylls, wouldn't it? But I probably wouldn't have made it. That would make it too easy. No, I, I, need, I need my cap or my sunglasses, although actually I've got Scottish and Irish blood, so I should probably take sun cream, assuming it's going to be a, a hot place. But yeah. I'll, I'll say sunglasses. Right, sunglasses. So you'll be sitting there looking cool. I'll be sitting there looking cool and my eyes will be shaded from the sun. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be happy. Right. You'll be happy. Good. Good. That's excellent. So how can listeners get hold of you? Um, So our website, timothy.com. That is, yeah, that will have everyone's contact details on. You can you can see all the different areas we specialise in. You can apply for jobs that way. Uh, we've also got a big presence on on LinkedIn. So follow us on LinkedIn, and we you know, post regular content out there. Uh, so those you know those are the best ways of, of getting hold of us. So um, you know if you're interested in finding out more about who we are, what we do, um, if you're hiring, if you're someone who's looking to get into the world of sales or executive search, um, pick up the phone, give us a call, drop us an email, and um, and, and one of my consultants will be in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rupert, for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast. It's my pleasure. And thank you once again for talking at Timber Talks. It was a super successful event and much of that was down to you. So we were fantastic feedback and we were delighted to have you as part of our as part of our panel. Brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.